how's it been going for you having school at home? Not that fun, but I still do the work. It's not very fun. No. You've been getting your work done, though, every day? Yeah. What are you getting good at? Like, what are we figuring out? We figured out how to do our schedule, right? Mm-hmm. Anything else we figured out? How to do the work on the computer. The Google Classroom situation? Yes. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about how it's been for you? No. Okay. That's six-year-old Parker and his mom, Laura. Parker's at home right now because of the coronavirus pandemic. And we'll hear more from them later in this episode. More than 50 million children in the U.S. aren't physically going to school right now. So many schools are going virtual, using digital tools to keep students learning from home. This is a huge moment for the American education system. It's the biggest experiment in online learning in the country's history. And how well each student will fare under these circumstances in the middle of a national health emergency is anyone's guess. Because online isn't a one-size-fits-all solution. That's today on the show. I'm Ariel Zimros. This is Reset. Aaron Einhorn, national reporter for NBC News Digital, you recently reported on some of the efforts schools are making to teach students remotely. So what's going on? So some districts are giving families packets to take home. And a lot of districts, especially the ones that have, a, you know, are a little bit better resourced, where the students uh, and their parents have more resources, they're putting a lot of information online. So they're doing online learning in, in all kinds of different ways, you know, and all over the country. Different teachers are doing different kind of creative things that they can do over the Internet to, to keep kids learning. So you have teachers making YouTube videos of themselves, doing story time, doing morning meeting. Hello, friends. It's Mrs. Dooks. Now, I know this is a little weird that it's a Monday morning and we should be at school, but we're at home. You know, there's lots and lots of different, you know, ed tech software products that are out there. You know, there's Google Classroom and there's these different platforms, Moodle, things like that, that that teachers can use uh, that are designed to interact with students so that kids can share their work with their classmates and can comment on each other's work and can, you know, have one-on-one discussions with other students. And so, you know, it's the whole range. And from what I understand, you've seen this up close, right? Your kids are learning from home. What does that look like? Uh, Let's just say I hope their classroom runs a little more smoothly in real life. Okay. I mean, you know, like a lot of parents, I'm working from home. My husband's working from home. I have have two kids, one's in kindergarten, uh, one's in second grade. And actually, for my second grader, honestly, it's going much better than I thought. She's been kind of self-directed. Her teacher's using a platform called Seesaw, which can be accessed on a, on a phone. So what are you doing? What do you have in your, in your Seesaw today? So first I would go to activities. Uh-huh. And the t- teacher uploads and instructions and work and assignments. And uh, my daughter does it on paper, and then she uses the iPad to take a picture of her work and send it back to her teacher. And I thought it was going to be a disaster, but actually my kids really stepped up, and I'm pretty impressed by it. I want to do my morning meeting. You want to do your morning meeting? All right. So My son is in kindergarten. His teacher has been doing 
uh, YouTube videos, both YouTube videos for parents that teach parents how to show kids, you know, the new math that none of us learned right. and wouldn't otherwise be able to teach. Um, <laughs> and then she's also doing videos. She's she's recording her morning meeting every morning, you oh, know, wow. and she, she brought some of the things from the classroom home. So she sets up a corner of her house to look like the classroom. And then, you know, she does the, you know, the morning song and the weather and the calendar and the stuff she, she normally started the classroom with. She's posting this video. And how is your kindergarten age child reacting to, to that, to suddenly having those morning meetings, but but them being at home? Well, the first morning he was just so delighted and he was watching it and he kept he kept like yelling at the at the screen and I realized that he thought she was live streaming and she wasn't. It was a YouTube video. So he's like interacting and he was like, no, like he kept trying to answer her questions and then he was getting annoyed that she wasn't responding. But he was, a, I mean, I think it was really fun for him to kind of see her, you know, on TV, you know, mm. I don't know how much he's going to learn, um, but I think it's helpful for him psychologically to have that continuity, that connection with his teacher. Right. It it helps just maintain the stability that your kid has, has grown accustomed to. Yeah. And it's helped us. It, it's helped us as a family to be able to say, like, this isn't a day off. Like, OK, time for homeschooling and homeschooling starts at nine. And okay, you know, you're doing this work and you're doing that work and mommy's going to go do her work now. Um, you know, it's it's not optimal <laughs> for anybody. I, I got to say, it does sound like there's a lot more of a load on you and on parents generally to, to sort of manage this. Like, how are you juggling this? Well, it's hard for me to juggle it, but it is not nearly as hard for me as it is for you know, healthcare providers who are trying to trying to 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 get us through this crisis, and you know, people who have to work out of the home, and people. I only have two kids. You know, other people have five kids or ten kids or children with severe special needs or smaller homes. I have a little bit of space. I have I have a husband, so there's two adults here. You know, we can share the load. We have this whole complicated calendar where you know, where we trade off being in charge of the kids, but. You know, if you're a single parent and you're doing this alone, if you have a baby, you know, if you have caretaking obligations or you don't have the technology. I mean, we have enough computers that I can work from home. My husband can work from home and each of the kids has a tablet. But I mean, how many families have that kind of resources in their house? It's kind of a situation that makes you think of the level of inequality we normally see in the education system. Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, it, it just really lays it bare. I mean, under the best of settings, under the best of circumstances, we have inequality in our schools. But schools at least have some resources in place, some um, procedures in place to try to uh, reduce some of those inequities. And basically everything's been kind of tossed asunder. Based on your reporting, for the schools and parents that have the resources to pull off some kind of online learning, is this really a substitute, you know, if schools are closed for the rest of the year? I, I don't think anybody thinks so. I don't think there's anybody out there saying like, oh, it's, it's no problem at all. We'll just move it all online. You know, that said, I mean, I think people are going to do the best that they can. Um, I think I know a lot of states have applied for waivers, have called on the U.S. Department of Education to cancel standardized testing, uh, which then opens the door for teachers to come up with 
some other ways to assess students. You know, maybe it's write an essay or do a or do a research paper or keep a journal about your experience, you know, during while being quarantined. Um, and, you know, then you come back in the fall and, and I guess we all see where we are. I mean, I know a lot of educators are hoping that, you know, when this is all over and we're through the crisis, that there'll be real conversations around how do we support schools? How do we support teachers? How do we support students to bring them back up to where they were supposed to be? After the break, how remote learning is playing out in a family where education has a much larger meaning. This is Reset. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, it's Tom Warren, Senior Editor at The Verge here. Microsoft is in an era-defining moment. It's betting on AI as the future of work, its Xbox business is going through transformational changes, and the Mac versus PC war is about to be back on. So, I'm launching a newsletter called Notepad. It'll be your inside guide to all those changes and beyond. From details on the next Xbox, to that one time every Microsoft employee named Michael appeared on a mysterious email list. Whatever is happening at Microsoft, you'll be able to read about it first in Notepad every Thursday. Go subscribe now at theverge.com forward slash notepad. So I'm Laura Gale and I'm a mom and I have a Six-year-old son. I live in Queens with my husband and my son and my dog, Lucy. Uh, And I'm a leadership development coach and facilitator and do a lot of work around leadership and change in New York and beyond. Look what I added. A dance party at 5.50. You added a dance party at Mm -hmm. 5.50? So my son, Parker, uh, turned six in January. He is autistic and also relevant for this particular moment in time, has asthma. Um, and he is a kindergartner at a charter school in Queens, but right now is uh, a student at my home school here in Astoria. 
What kind of additional challenges does Parker face at school because he's autistic? So he might go through a day and because he's really, he's somebody who's like really academically curious and hungry, he might be really excited about the lesson or what they're learning and and do fine and engage with that. But if something doesn't go the way that he thinks it's going to, or there's a surprise, or today it's raining outside so we can't go out on the playground, or a child grabs a crayon that he wants, any child might have a reaction to that kind of thing happening, but Parker's will be disproportionate and physical. And so that looks like him needing to have someone around him who can pull him outside of a confined area and give him physical space to be able to sort of act out some of those emotions in a safe place and in a safe way. And so that has some social implications. It has um, implications in term academically in terms of that he often spends quite a bit of time outside the classroom um, and that he needs to have people around him who he knows he can trust. Um, and we're lucky to have that in the school building, but also it's a real sort of day-to-day, moment-to-moment challenge. What kind of support does your son normally get from his charter school? So per his IEP, Parker gets occupational therapy, speech therapy, counseling um, on a weekly basis, and then also has a one-to-one paraprofessional, so somebody who is with him during his school day as an aide who is there to help him navigate the school day. What's an IEP, if you want to just explain that? Yeah, so an IEP is an individualized education plan that is for kids who who have a disability of some kind or um, have asked to tap into the resources of the Department of Education to have support around their child's disability. That is the city's commitment Mm. to our child that can be uh, acted on, whether he's at a district school, a charter school, um, he, wherever he goes in the school system, he has access to those services and is mandated to receive them. Although, just being honest and transparent about how that plays out in reality, if you're If there's not enough providers to service your IEP, I mean, there are thousands of children around New York who are not getting what's mandated for them. Um, Many of them in in poorer neighborhoods. Um, And so we are lucky to even have our IEP met. So this has just started. It has barely begun. What does online learning look like for Parker, who, as you mentioned, has autism, has has some challenges when it comes to even just conventional learning situations. And so what does that look like for him right now? So he really thrives with like a level of structure and understanding, like some sense of control over what the day is going to look like. So we started, like we started the day Monday, for instance, and we like white on his whiteboard, like wrote out the entire schedule for the day. We got to the first piece of it um, which didn't go well. Apparently, I don't know how to do sub- subtraction properly. And he just like <laughs> flew into a, you know, like into a whole thing mm. and like grabbed the whiteboard and erased the entire day and like refused mm. to go on. Um, like we got it back on track and whatever, but like 
This morning, um, he got so overwhelmed the second that we opened the computer and he saw all of the work that had been uploaded and just said, like, I couldn't possibly do it all. Like, look at it all. Look at it all. Um, And so we're just trying to feel out, like, what he might be experiencing and just, like, adjust. Like, is it too much structure? Is it too little structure? Are we showing him things that are overwhelming him? Maybe we just show him one assignment at a time. Like today I created a new system with post-it notes where like I have a post-it note for every hour of the day and then next to it, there's like a bank of post-it notes with activities so that he can move them over and have some sense of control. So it looks like we have science that we were going to do at three and we can walk outside and go look at... I don't want to do that. No, what do you want to do? I want to switch the... Switch the order? Switch this mm-hmm. to five. Okay, and do you want to move? I want to move this to three mm-hmm. or a toy sign to three. Okay. Which well, we could do both. Uh, right now, it's like we're just taking it literally an hour at a time. Um, also, like in the world of virtual learning, my mother, who is in Ohio, <laughs> is is holding Grammy classes so uh, before lunch today, he oh, did one of that. his assignments with her via FaceTime, which gave Chris and I a chance to connect and like sort of game plan the rest of the day. And like we're taking it in f- like five minute quick conversations, just like what's the next plan? What's the next plan? So, yeah, I mean, we're figuring it out as we go. But yes, it's taking I mean, there's no way that I'll be con- able to continue working at the clip that I have. I, I'm going to need to power down a lot of what I'm doing to be essentially like almost full-time attuned to what's going on with him in terms of school. Is this a legal issue? I'm I'm wondering because I know that the school is sort of mandated to help support Parker in his learning. Yeah. And and that that he he has a letter saying like you have to you have to make sure that I can do this, right? And so is is that happening right now? Do you feel like the school is living up to its end of the bargain? And do you even feel like you want to try and fight it? So that's a really great question. And there's there's two different things that I'll share in, in responding to that. One is what I've gathered is that we are lucky to even be having like communication and structure and outreach from our school. Yeah. So one of the things that I did just in anticipation of our conversation today is in one of the groups that I'm a part of on Facebook that's like parents of kids with special needs across Queens. I just threw a question out there to folks that was, you know, like, how's it going basically with the the remote learning and what do you, what support are you getting from your school? And it didn't sound like our experience. It sounded like a lot of people, like had, there had not been a lot of communication from the school. And I don't know what the legal, like sort of what the, what the legal approach is in terms of are they actually required when school is closed to continue making good on that. I'm not sure what that looks like. How are you thinking about this long term? Yeah, I mean, in the first moment, like when the announcement was made and there was no date attached in terms of ending, I was thinking, okay, we can pace ourselves through a couple of weeks. Then when we heard the at least till April 20th, that date seemed really far out and that still seems like Uh, I I cannot wrap my mind around that. If it ends up being to the end of the school year, that's, it's hard to picture, to be honest. And there's a couple of parts of that. If, I mean, we're fully quarantined in the apartment. 
if we were just homeschooling our kid, but not three of us, four of us, if you count the dog, all on top of each other in a tiny space, it might look different. When I think about his services and like the thing that I heard on that Facebook page, the the shared concern was like everybody was saying like our child's going to regress, like they really need the support to be well and functioning. I'm sure that's true for us. But the thing I'm more worried about is how you keep a family of people well in the in terms of like mentally, physically, et cetera, shut in for a long period of time. Have you told Parker why he's not going to school right now? We have. Um, it's a double-edged sword because of his anxiety. It's really a possibility that he could get sort of wrapped up and really fixated on the details of what's happening. But so far, he's just been really curious um, about what's going on and whether we know anyone who's sick and what that means and whether we might be sick. And we're trying to answer his questions factually. And I think he's old enough that he will remember this. And so I think it matters both what we share with him and how we are around it. So that's something that's very much on my mind. Laura and her family are working hard to make this new way of living work for them. And I know a lot of other people are going through similar challenges. And many of them go beyond education. How do we live now that technology is often the only way that we can connect with coworkers, family, and friends? How do we cope now that physical contact and in-person conversation isn't an option for millions of people in this country? I'm really asking. I want to know how technology is helping you get through this unprecedented time in history. Is it working for you? Is it making things harder? Do you even have access to the technology you need right now? Record yourself answering these questions if you have the time and send me those clips. I want to hear what Reset listeners have to say about this. And you can email those audio files to reset at vox.com. This is Reset, and I'm Ariel Duemros. But you don't have to say it that way. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at ADRS. We publish episodes three times a week, on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. So if you haven't already, subscribe to The Pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us. Will Reed and Skylar Swenson produced the show. Our engineer is Eric Gomez. Our intern is Daniel Marcus. Golda Arthur is our executive producer. Liz Kelly Nelson is the editorial director of Vox Podcasts. And the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder composed our theme music. Reset is produced in association with Stitcher, and we're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back on Tuesday. Later, nerds. <laughs>